tonight is going to be a bit different. We're taking a pause from the book of Matthew, and we're doing it on purpose uh, just because uh, we need to spend a little bit of time uh, wrestling with what the heck has happened the last couple of weeks and how do we as a church respond to it. And so for those of you who are interested in staying up to date with Matthew, I'm actually uh, probably in my car because my house is full of screaming kids, record like a special podcast just for Matthew 23 and 24. There's some really weird and also really profound stuff happening in the book of Matthew. I don't want to miss it, but I also don't want to keep delaying our teaching schedule. So that'll be coming out a little bit later this week, just a little follow-up. It'll be just me in your ears or in your car stereo or whatever, and we'll be talking about Matthew 23 and 24. If you've read it before, it's weird as all get out, and 25 is just even weirder. So we're going to embrace that together, but tonight we're going to, we're going to do something different. Uh, I believe we need to sit in something different this evening. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach for just a little bit uh, from a few texts um, about how we're to lean into this sudden season that's been kind of thrust upon us. And uh, I also want to make space for two things. One, for us to respond, minister to each other, pray for each other if that's needed, but also respond in some really, really practical ways, um, kind of some calls I have for you guys as, as a church. Um, and so as of, as of this morning, I know you guys have probably been tracking along with the news as I have. As of this morning, the Thomas Fire that started way out in Santa Paula has now made its way through Fillmore, Ventura, Casita Springs, Oakview, Ojai Carp, and now it's invading downtown Santa Barbara. And it just doesn't really have any sign of letting up soon. It's continuing to move north and west. And so as of right now, uh, 269,000 acres have been burned. Uh, it's at 40% containment. Over a thousand structures have been destroyed, and over 240 structures have been damaged. And a lot of you guys know we've had some scares here in town, especially those of us who live in downtown on the avenue, those of us who live kind of along Foothill. You guys have seen up close and personal some of the craziness. Uh, as of this morning, there are over 8,500 fire personnel on the scene dealing with this particular fire. And uh, there have been two fatalities, one of which was a fireman that died yesterday, uh, yesterday morning. Uh, and so it's been pretty crazy. Uh, this is right now the third largest wildfire in California's history, and it is on track to become the largest in the next couple of days. Um, and so uh, while no one in our church that we know of has, has lost a home, we're really grateful for that. We all know someone who, who has or maybe a friend of a friend has. Uh, and we've all definitely been touched by this. And it seems like it's moving out of Ventura. And, and now we're just kind of left with the rebuilding, the recovery, the terrible air quality, the smoke, um, just the, honestly, the long haul back to normality. Um, and we'll still be feeling the effects of the fire for, for some time. And there are a bunch of stories represented in this room. I know you guys all have your own Thomas Fire story of maybe how you were displaced, how you had to evacuate, the scares you had, the, the no clean water in your house, no power. Like, we all have those stories, and, and there are countless stories represented in people you know and in your spheres of, of community, of your coworkers, uh, your friends, your families, your neighbors. Um, and one of the things, as I've just been reflecting these last two weeks, I've been so blown away by uh, the compassion and, and generosity, the open-handedness uh, by you, by, by the church at large in, in Ventura, and honestly by, by our city. It's been incredibly encouraging to watch that response to such tragedy. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been crazy. Just in the potential 
uh, or the reality of, of grief and loss. Uh, you guys I've seen personally up close have faced it with hope and joy and peace and a willingness to, to help somebody else, uh, which is just amazing. And I, I just want to encourage you, like, people take notice of that. Uh, people take notice when I, when I tell the story of how I wasn't at home Monday night and Sherry was having to pack up all the kids by herself at, at midnight and, and calls Luke and Zoe who live right behind us and they immediately came over and helped pack our kids in the car so they can get out of here. Um, it, it, people take notice of that stuff. The, the world at large takes notice of, of how we respond to a tragedy like this. Uh, this has been a moment for, for the church in Ventura to come together, to unite, be generous, be hospitable, and, and be the first to shoot their hands up and, and, say, and say, we can help. We're ready to help. And it's been amazing. And thank you to all of you guys who've went to, to Mission Church this, this past week or the week before and served, who have donated. Thanks for everyone who's donated money, uh, donated items to the, the variety of great places to donate items, uh, and honestly, who've kind of done whatever they could to, to help assist those who are in need. Uh, thank you for that. So whether you were directly affected by the fire or not, we've all been touched by it. We've all had, we've all had these moments where we've kind of had to make our peace with, with I, maybe those, those of you guys living in Midtown or Pierpont were most, were okay for the most part. But if you were living on the avenue, downtown like me, East Ventura along the foothills or along the 126, like you kind of had to have that moment where you say, I got to make my peace with losing everything just in case. Like I have to be, I have to be ready to, to say goodbye to that stuff. And we, Sherry and I had that moment Monday night as we're, as we're staying with her parents in Thousand Oaks and saying, you know what, if like this moves off Grant Park and comes down into downtown, we, we got to make our peace with starting over again. Um, and we've all had those moments. We've all had those moments of emotional exhaustion uh, where we're snapping at our spouse or our roommate, or our friend for, for seemingly no reason. We've been short with our kids, and, and we've all had to together not know what's going to happen next. And I think that's so rare in our culture where we just have these moments where all of us together have no idea what the next 12 hours are going to look like. Um, and this week has reminded at least me of a few things, and, and I hope you as well, that stuff doesn't matter as much as we think. Uh, for sure, the importance of, of people is, is vastly more important than stuff. Uh, but it's also reminded me that stuff matters more than we think as well that we have sentiment, we have emotion tied to, to things. Uh, those things in your house, and your car, represent memories, life, uh, other people. And so we've had to walk in that tension a, a, as well as, as realizing that stuff doesn't matter as much as we think, but it does, it does matter. Like it's part of the thing that builds our lives. We've been reminded that this life is, is temporal. It is, it is not forever. Uh, the, the frailty of humanity, the fleetingness of life for sure, um, but I've also been reminded that our hope is not temporal. It's eternal. Um, and the, the thing that has characterized those, those people I know who follow Jesus in this city is, is there is a hope that, that surpasses circumstances. That is quite amazing uh, and so needed for our city. And at a time like this, the people of Jesus need to not just talk about but to be filled with hope. And so, honestly, my, some of my hope for this evening is if you're coming in empty, spent, uh, that, you, that you get filled up, that we go to Scripture together and able to, to water our souls and leave here refreshed. And, and honestly, if you're coming in filled with hope, that you have some opportunities in front of you to, to point that and move forward. And so I, I want for us hope, not just a meager hope that Ventura will rebuild, but a hope that says there's more than this, that we can contribute to the rebuilding effort and point people to something greater, that our joy and our peace are not shaken by earthly events, 
uh, but strengthened by the Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews says that we should be grateful that we are part of a kingdom unshakable. And our response is, is to worship with awe. Paul, to the Romans in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, says, May the God of hope, the character, characteristic of God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God is, is praying for the church in Rome that this characteristic of God he would deposit in them, that they would be filled and abound with hope and joy and peace. These words, I always forget that, that most of the early church was persecuted. Most of the church in, in what we now know as Asia Minor and the Middle East was persecuted. They were the minority until about 300 A.D., and so as Paul is writing these encouragements to churches, whether they are under direct persecution or it's coming, this, this writings about hope are not, they're not light. They're not trivial. It's not, uh, it's not patting them on the back. This is like, a full, this is like the, the call to embrace who we are. This is the, the encouragement to run to our source of strength. Because Paul who was either being hunted or in jailed for a lot of his life, knew he had to cling to things that were important, like hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. We need hope not, to, not only to get through that initial shock of the immediate craziness, but the hope of God to carry us through the coming weeks and months. Uh, honestly, when, when people drive away, when the news coverage settles down, when the fires are put out and we're just left with ashes and smoke and people who don't have stuff, uh, we need the hope to carry us through those seasons as well. C.S. Lewis says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary journey. Uh, and I believe this. I, I believe that in the midst of tragedy, while the enemy might want to use this moment for evil, God is using it for good. I believe in this hardship, God's preparing us, ordinary people, for an extraordinary journey. I really do. You guys all know people who have been devastated by this fire. Um, and you guys will have extraordinary opportunities to bless them, to show the love of God to them, to demonstrate with your light the hope, the joy, and peace that comes from God. You guys will have these moments, these opportunities I want to encourage you to be ready for it. Like, be ready for it. When you head back to work on Monday, when your kids go back to school in January, as you're talking with neighbors or friends or whatever, be ready to, to step in. And I, I feel like this probably just over the coming weeks, we're going to be just unpacking what this means for us. But what I wanted to do is in light of, of being a hope-filled people, I wanted to share some practicals with you guys. Um, and uh, I know a lot of us are sort of moving on with our lives, uh, and I, what I want to do is encourage us to move on well in our life and not to move on unhealthily. And so I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six really practical things for us um, to both help guide us, frame us, and kind of point us towards how we respond in the next couple of weeks, uh, because it'll be easy to get lost in the Christmas season, it'll be easy to get lost in the new year when that comes around, and 
And th- there's going to be work to do for a long time uh, to rebuild. And so I want to encourage you with six really practicals, uh, one of which I stole from an author called Pete, Caz- Pete Cazero, who writes uh, a book called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, a couple of which I stole from Chris Say down uh, in Houston at Ecclesia Houston when he was encouraging his church uh, after the floods in Houston, and a couple of those that I think are unique for us. And so uh, I want to share just these really practicals with you guys. So if you're note-taking kind of people, like get out something to write with, open up the app, take some notes, they'll be behind me. Um, But the first uh, encouragement for you guys uh, is to, uh, Ben, you can put the first one up, is to slow down. Uh, that's, that's the first encouragement. You are, if you're anything like me, are going to be tempted to fix everything and everybody. You'll, you'll feel like the rebuilding effort is all on your shoulders, especially if you know someone who lost a house. And while you are valuable and you have a part to play, it's simply untrue that all the effort is on your shoulders. Uh, Take moments to rest and to slow down. Go to the beach when the air clears up. Go out to dinner. Go see Star Wars. Spend time with friends. Like serve, yes. Give, yes. Volunteer your time, absolutely. But but don't let that consume your life. I already saw it start to happening with friends of mine last week who were just spending 14-hour days every day serving, which is, it's a good thing, but don't let it consume your life. You need, your soul needs moments to slow down, especially if, if you have kids or especially if you're caring for someone who is unable to care for themselves, like you need those moments of rest. Slow down. The second is to, uh, also from, from Chris Say down in Houston, is to be present with each other. I, I, I love, as he was talking about this, um, as you're sitting with people who maybe have lost something or, or everything, who are grappling with all the what's next questions, uh, it's easy to go into problem solver mode with them. Uh, and sometimes you just need to sit there and, and like listen to them. Like look them in the eye, be present, say, tell me your story. Tell me what happened. Tell me about some of the stuff you lost. Tell, tell me what was it like to evacuate your home at 1 a.m.? Like just validate their humanity in those moments and don't jump to trying to fix their problems. Don't look past them to their problems. Look at them and care for them. Uh, There will be moments to help, uh, but not at the expense of recognizing their humanness. And so you guys, and if you haven't already, will have conversations with people who have lost something. And and one of the biggest things you can do for them is, is to look them in the eye and ask to hear their story and to let them verbally process the emotions that have been happening. The third really practical thing for you and I is do not neglect your inner life with Jesus. There's a story uh, I once read. Um, I'm going to summarize it. I don't know the exact story, but it's, it's a town where, where a bakery opened and, and found crazy amount of success, uh, best bread, best donuts, whatever in town. Lines ran out the door all day long as raving fans showed up to enjoy the baker's creation. And one day, as usual, the customer showed up early, formed a line outside, but the the bakery failed to open that day. It failed to open at its normal time, and the customer started to get restless. And eventually, word trickled out that the bakery was closed because the baker had died suddenly. And when the people inquired about the cause of death, they discovered that the baker had starved to death. Everyone was in disbelief. How could someone surrounded by food starve to death? And that they learned that the baker had been so focused on feeding everyone else, he never stopped to feed himself. 
There will be temptations for you guys to serve, to give, to spend time with people and not care for yourself. This part of slowing down is you need to care for your soul. Don't neglect your inner life with Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but when the craziness of life hits, those, those sweet, uh, sometimes all too rare, quiet times with the Lord are the first things to go out the window. My daily Bible reading, my time where I, where I realign my life to the kingdom values and priorities that God has for me. Those times where I can just sit and listen, to be in silence, be in solitude. Time where I can express needs I have to the Lord. That's the first thing that goes out the window when life gets crazy. Don't neglect your inner life with Jesus. Lest the reality of the incarnate deity, Jesus, becoming flesh, walking amongst us, rescuing us, and breathing life into us, no good deed, no service, no donation really matters. Lest that reality is implanted in your heart, nothing you do will matter. Nothing will have any great significance no good deed, no service, no donation, no act of generosity really matters. Don't neglect your inner life with Jesus. Okay, fourth, practical for you guys. For those who are in need, speak up. Don't hide behind your pride, uh, your bootstraps, or your assumptions that there may be someone who's needier than you. Uh, Let the church be the church and take care of you. There is an unhealthy uh, and, and almost inadvertent shame in raising your hand and saying that you need help. And I, I'm the first, uh, uh, I, I'm the worst uh, person at this, for sure. Uh, both because I don't like getting gifts. It's not in my nature. I don't like it. I like fending for myself. Uh, but also because I always assume there's someone worse off than me. And so I want those resources or someone else's time to go to those, those people. I say, don't do that. Let the church be the church and take care of you. There's no shame here. This is a family ready to serve one another. So if you have needs, if you know someone who's not in this room that does have needs, please speak up. We have a form on our website at anthemventura.org. You can fill out or you can come talk to me. Um, If you're temporarily displaced, if you Honestly, if you don't have renter's insurance and you lost all your food because the power was out or, or anything, is go- there's a whole litany of reasons you could be in, in various scenes. Please don't leave tonight uh, without getting the help you need. Let the church be the church. And for those that can help, uh, help. For those who are able, please help out. If you're able to jump in and volunteer somewhere, do it. A lot of you guys jumped in week one and were at Mission Church. Uh, I was there a bunch of days helping out, and, and there was a bunch of people I saw and recognized. It was absolutely incredible to see people just sorting and packing, and, and it was amazing. And I just love that the community effort that went in. Uh, and so if you're able to, to volunteer, if you're able to build that margin into your schedule, please do it. If you're in a place where you're ready to give yourself, do it. There'll be many ways in the weeks to come, and I'm going to share some specifics here that you, can, that you can serve. But if you're in a place where you can help, help. And if you need help, say something. Speak up, raise your hand. Okay, and sixth, uh, really practical, is give. Okay, there's some immediate needs that are happening amongst us, and there are some needs that will continue to arise in the coming weeks and months. And if we learned anything from recent disasters and tragedies in in America, it's that when the news trucks leave and people move on and the wells of generosity dry up, the church has an opportunity to step in that gap. And and they can or, or they can't. 
And I've, I've read stories of, of either scenario happening. There have been shining moments when the church hasn't packed up and left and they've stepped in that gap and they've been able to serve and support the community. And so let's not be people who get too easily distracted by the cares of the world to move on. Let's dive fully into seeing our city thrive and rebuild. I think we're, we're, we're a small, tight-knit family, but we are poised and positioned pretty uniquely to be of service to a lot of people. And so I want to fully dive into that. And so there are three particular ways uh, I want to kind of help set your framework up for, for giving. First is uh, we'll not be meeting, honestly, for the next couple of weeks. So please, if you haven't already set up recurring giving, giving online, and, and make sure we're able to finish the year strong. If you haven't started giving regularly, do it. A lot of what we're going to be doing and a lot of what we give towards is going to go help our, our community and would love for you to participate in that. Second, we have a like a Thomas Fire like relief fund that we set up specifically for two purposes. Uh, first is to meet any needs that come up in the church as a result of this. Uh, and so if you were temporary displaced, if you need air purifiers, if you need meals, if you need gift cards or whatever, like, please let me know. We have a special fund uh, set up for that. And so uh, please, if you can, give and help support that effort. Uh, there's going to be many more needs that come up and would love for you guys to contribute to that. Uh, so the first is to meet any needs in our body. And the second is to respond to the needs in our community. We want to be a church that is ready, uh, that when a need comes up on our doorstep, we can say yes, and we don't have to say no. We want to be ready for that. And then the third kind of thing about giving I want to tee you up for is spontaneous giving. Uh, and so there may be moments when you come across someone that needs something, and I want to encourage you in this Christmas season to live in a way where you can respond to that need. Live in a way where you can respond to the spontaneous need that may not come to me or to our church leadership. Like you may just meet someone at Prospect and you just hear their story and you want to help. Like build margin into your life. Spend less. I don't, do something creative and be able to have like a slush fund for spontaneous generosity. Because you will meet people who may not come to a church for help, may not, may not apply, you know, uh, qualify for some of the government assistance or programs that are here that may be in just really rough spots. In particularly, if I want to shine the light on one particular group of people that's going to be hit pretty hard, is renters that lost their home. Uh, so if you owned a home, uh, you most likely, 99% probably had homeowner's insurance, which means you lose your home, your insurance company is going to pay for that temporary rental, you're going to get a brand spanking new house, and, and life will be hard and uncomfortable, but you'll be fine, honestly, if you own a home. Uh, in Ventura, um, if you do not own a home and you rented uh, and your house got burned down, you are now thrusted into an absurdly expensive rental market where there was less than 2% vacancy before the fire started. So I've already, I've already seen people price gouge rentals. Uh, I've heard stories of people showing up the day a Craigslist like thing gets posted and it's already filled. Like there already was not enough places for people to rent. Uh, and so I, I, we're going to do whatever we can. We cannot solve the housing crisis. We can't do it all, but we can do something. And so both at a church level, uh, but also at a personal kind of individual level, let's be ready to respond to those needs that come on our doorstep. So those are six practicals for you. Slow down, be present with each other. Don't neglect your inner life with Jesus. If you're in need, say something. If you can help, do it. 
and give. And there are three really practical ways to give. Give through our church, give to that special Thomas Fire Fund, and, and be ready to be generous just in your life out and about. Okay, and I want to share with you uh, some ways we as a church are responding. So like, like I said a second ago, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And we can do a few things really well as a church, both for the people we have in our church and just kind of the position we're in. We're, we're wired to do some pretty cool things. And so um, I'm going to talk to you about how some of we're responding right now. Uh, and we, of course, as a church, we're ready to meet any needs that arise in, in the body for sure. But I want to spend some time looking at how we're investing into our city. And so, as we look to serve our city, us, Anthem Church, uh, along with dozens of other Ventura churches, are coming together to serve our city in a really targeted, strategic way. Um, and so, we, we know we can leverage our efforts as a, as a church community uh, in some specific ways, and we wanted to be really wise about how we did that, because we can go down a bunch of rabbit trails, we can spend time reinventing the wheel, we can spend time kind of stepping on people's toes and doing the same thing, and so we all got together, uh, and we wanted to be really strategic about how we did this. Um, and so I'm part of this overseeing team in Ventura um, with, uh, there's, there's six or seven other pastors that are part of this smaller team that are kind of leading the charge for uh, the 50 some odd churches represented uh, that have raised their hand and said, we're all in to help. Um, and so what we're doing is, is we're partnering with every school in Ventura Unified School District um, in a really interesting way to ensure every need from every family is met. And this, of course, is not going to cover everyone in Ventura, but it's going to cover a lot of people in Ventura. Uh, each student and, and parent, if you have kids in a, in a Ventura Unified School, you probably already got this or you saw this, uh, but got uh, sent an electronic survey, kind of a form, uh, just kind of outlining any of the needs. And it's that, hey, are you okay? Do you have these needs? Tell us about the needs. Um, and that went out from the school district to every parent, every student in, in Ventura Unified. Um, and we're partnering with the new superintendent, uh, who is an epic man and a very cool believer who's helping kind of bridge this gap with us. And so they sent a, a survey to every single family. And the way that's going to work is that'll go back to the district. And the district is going to send that to each principal. And uh, the principals and the faculty, uh, I don't know if you've experienced this too, Mireille, at your school, but they're like chomping at the bit to help their own. And so first dibs will go to uh, the school, the site there to help uh, any families that are in need. So whether it's uh, PTA, whether it's teachers coming together, whether it's families that are kind of the haves helping families that are the have-nots, kind of whatever's going on, they're going to get first dibs to meet any need. Uh, but here's the really exciting part is any need that can't be met in that school gets kicked up to us uh, and we get to help make sure that every family is taken care of. And so any, uh, when they get those surveys back, any needs that aren't met at the local school site uh, will come back to this kind of coalition of churches we have uh, and some other organizations as well to make sure needs get met. And we're doing this really strategically. So I don't know if you care about this kind of thing, but how we're structuring this is we kind of have a bit of a, a leadership team overseeing this process and we're going to have uh, five liaisons that are going to have relationships with every principal. So there's 27 schools in Ventura Unified. Uh, they're going to be meeting with and building relationships with each principal. And so each kind of liaison is going to have three or four or five schools under their belts. Uh, and they're basically going to be our pass-through for any need and be able to get aid. And so... Uh, if we have opportunity to help a specific family, we will. Uh, and we can't give money to a school, but there are some really creative ways that we can uh, aid the school in their 
their recovery efforts. And so we're looking into everything we can do possible to meet any needs that come up. Uh, And so that's kind of the, like, I am a part of this overseeing team that's kind of helping this effort as a whole. And so that's kind of, we have a, I don't know how I found myself in that circle, but I'm in it. And so we have kind of an interesting opportunity there. Uh, But also we are right next door, two blocks away from Lincoln Elementary. And so we're going to adopt Lincoln Elementary uh, and any needs that come up there. Every every church has taken one or two schools and adopting them. Us, along with the river, we're uh, we're just taking over Lincoln. And any need that comes up, we're going to meet. My living room window faces the back of Lincoln. So it's like it's in our backyard and we're going to make sure they're taken care of. Uh, And I don't know all the stats. Uh, I'm sure you might know better than me, but Lincoln is definitely one of those schools that has a lot of lower income people uh, at it. And so there's a potential for higher need there. So we're going to try to meet any need that comes up. And uh, this is a long-term partnership, by the way. It's not a uh, flash in the pan, kind of the next couple of weeks. Like we're not going to be getting surveys back till maybe even after Christmas. Like this is, we're in it for the long haul. It's going to be anywhere from 12 to 24 months of, of making sure people are taken care of, returning back to normal rhythms of life. And so us, with Lincoln Elementary, we're in this for the long haul. And so I just want to prepare you guys now because in six months you're going to be like, oh, stop talking about Lincoln Elementary. But there are going to be opportunities that continue to come up, whether it's uh, specific to helping the school itself, whether it's wiping down playgrounds, cleaning up, painting, whatever, or if it's like actually meeting needs of families or teachers on site, uh, we're going to take care of that. We're going to make sure the story of Lincoln Elementary is they have no need anymore because the church has stepped in. Uh, so that's what we're doing. Um, and, and many of you guys uh, have experienced long, uh, big disasters before, have seen them from afar. And, and, you know, long after the first responders and the news crews leave, that's honestly when a lot of the real work of rebuilding happens. And it's slow, uh, and it can be painful, and it takes longer than we want it to. Um, but we want to step in the gap and, and do that. So we're going to be with Lincoln for a while doing that. And so there are, there are two phases to, to how we're helping specifically. And the first phase is this coalition of churches that I was telling you about. We're aiming to get, uh, we're aiming to get $500 to $1,000 worth of gift cards in the hands of every principal by the time they, kids go back to school. Uh, and what we wanted to do to honestly first build the relationship, uh, but also to make sure that they can respond, schools can respond quickly, we're literally just sliding them an envelope full of gift cards to Target, Walmart, like whatever, uh, that they can give out at their discretion. No, no strings attached. Uh, we want to give them, if they just have families that are in need that need help right away, uh, we're hoping actually to get them in the hands of principals sooner in case they do come across families that are in need over the holiday season. Uh, but we're going to get them, every single school, 500 to to $1,000 worth of gift cards. So that's $27,000 uh, in the hands of principals as soon as humanly possible. Um, and so honestly, if you want to contribute to that, give to that Thomas Fire Fund. That's where some of that money is going to go. We're going to buy gift cards for Lincoln Elementary, the principal here that she can give out and get in the hands of families who need it right away. Um, but also we're doing that as a coalition of churches, and we're trying to raise twenty-seven grand ASAP uh, to buy gift cards and to get them in the hands of people who need them. That's phase one. That's like our fast response. Um, phase two is going to be that longer uh, partnership where we're going to meet every need that comes in through Lincoln. And so over the coming, I honestly don't have much more to talk to you about because we don't know what the needs are yet. We don't know what the school's going to want us to do. Uh, we, uh, 
Jim Duran over at the river has an existing relationship with the principal, and so they're, they're ready. They're already asking for some help, and so as needs come up, I'll communicate them to you guys as soon as possible. Um, and so I just say be ready to respond to opportunities. It could be opportunities for just us to write a check and to buy something they need, or it could be opportunities for us to get on the ground there and actually care for, for kids and families. Um, so I just say be ready for those and be listening for those opportunities. Um, that's all my practical stuff for you guys. Um, this is a moment for the church to be the church, and we want to we step in and be it. Uh, the story so far has been the church has been sacrificial, has been generous, hospitable, has been a first responder of sorts to families in need. Uh, that's been an incredible story. And, and I think one of the things I want to put before you guys and everyone listening on our podcast, like as a church, uh, when we think about this time, uh, six months, a year from now, two years from now, like what's the story we want told about Anthem Ventura? What's the story we want told? Do we want to look back and, and say, man, this is a moment where we banded together, where we like put aside whatever was going on and was able to meet needs and, and bless the city, bless Lincoln Elementary, like take care of families in need. Like I want that to be the story of, of this church. And so I have just, uh, I want to close. John's going to come up and lead us here in, in a moment, but I, I want to close with just a few uh, passages of Scripture for us to meditate on. And the first is in Romans 12. Uh, and in Romans 12, Paul is giving more encouragement to the church in Rome. And, and at the end of chapter 12, he just kind of has this collection of like pithy statements that are so helpful in a time like this. He says in verse 9, Let love be genuine. That's enough. I could preach a whole sermon on that. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a balance and a tension that we're stepping into as a church. Some of you need to hear the call to get to work, to do something, to serve, to give money, to get outside yourself and to help someone. And some of you need to hear that call to slow down, care for your soul, pause, say, I need help, I need rest. And the, the question for us as a church is how we'll find the balance between the really important work of, of healing our city and, and rebuilding and, and also the necessary like self-care that's got to take place. And I think the part of the answer to that tension is to take rest, find hope in God. He's our only hope and, and solution to get through this time.
He will care for your soul and give you strength to move forward. So go ahead and stand. I'm going to read this psalm over us, and John's going to sing over us. Psalm 62. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, and I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Father, as we take some time to respond, to sing together, um, would you be just activating in our hearts the, the necessary steps forward, whether it is the renewed attention to care for our soul, to remember your grace, remember what you've done for us, to rest in our salvation, or whether it's that, that call to get to work and serve one another and serve the city. God, help us straddle that tension over the next few weeks and months, uh, when at times we can feel distant or numbed to what's going on, or at times we can feel so in the weeds with serving that we've lost ourselves. We need your help navigating the tension of, of good, healthy self-care and the, and the need to serve. So Father, first and foremost, as we sing together, would this be... Um, a time to remember our standing before you, to remember that before anything else, we are children of the living God. We are sons and daughters. We have been purchased. We have been redeemed. And we are to remember the grace that has been shown. We are to look up and see your face. If our soul is downcast, Lord, lift our eyes. If we're walking in here empty and drained, would you fill us? We're grateful for your spirit at work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.